Well, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe. And this is Season 5, Episode 19, the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It should come out on December 19th, 2022. Uh, this is going to be our Christmas episode because it comes out before Christmas. I don't know what sort of logic that makes to anyone, but that's the way it's going to work. And today, instead of talking about beer, we are going to talk about coffee. <laughs> now we do have a couple Christmas beers we're going to do in the next episode, um, but we wanted to uh, talk about coffee and uh, do some like experiments with coffee and tea, and so that's probably going to be coming up next uh, next year, something for people to look at. But uh, I have this Lowe's Honduran uh, Fair Trade coffee that I've been getting, and I like it a whole lot. And uh, Ricky is sitting there trying one of the versions that I made. I made it three ways. I made uh, in a traditional like coffee pot. I made it in a French press. And then I took it ground up French press type coffee. I like the grind size that I do, the rough grind. And I mm -hmm. put that in a tea bag. And uh, then I use that to be able to make a brew of coffee. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying the three different ways and we're, we're seeing what we think about them and what we think about the coffee overall. Uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, so I don't know which is which. It's they're like little containers he's going to pour for me. I would say with 99% certainty, this is the like tea method brewed one. <laughs> Why do you think that? Um, it's a little mild. Mm -hmm. It's a little watery in that sense. Yep. But I love the flavor profile. In all honesty, I really, really like this. Yeah. Uh, it made it a... It, it, the whatever brew method I used here made it a very light brew, mm -hmm. definitely. Um, and I mean, it almost tastes like tea. Yeah, you it know, almost like does. If someone told me this was like coffee tea and it was black tea with some like coffee flour or something in it, I believe you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I I will have to um, not try to spoil it, so I can't tell you which one yeah, this yeah. is. Uh, but yeah, it it definitely is a little bit of a yes weaker is the right way to say it kind of brew yeah I, I don't know i wouldn't necessarily call it weak but i would say it was mild yeah okay like i don't it doesn't like taste watery it's not like it tastes bad because you're not like a watery coffee it's like well uh, you know the flavors don't mix well the flavors mix great it's yeah. just it's light you know yeah. it's, it would be i'm going back to it it's almost like you brewed it as tea <laughs> you know um like even not knowing the method that you just gave me this tea this uh this coffee I could be convinced, again, that this was like some coffee-flavored tea. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's actually pretty good. Now, if you then come back and tell me this is French press, I'm going to have to go buy a French press because this is delicious. Yeah. But whatever it is you're doing here, it works for me. Well, I think you could do – I think it's it's about amount plus heat that makes mm -hmm. makes these two things like kind of work out. So since you've still got that in mind, what I'm going to do is while, while we're sitting here talking, I am going to take and I'm going to put some in this. And then I'm going to put some in our coffee cups and we can kind of talk through oops, I bumped the cord of the mic we can talk through what we think about the two different ones that we have here. So this is one. Um, and I'll admit that I am a little partial to this, but I think some of the mildness that you were tasting is just the type of coffee that we were using. Is it, I mean, you're right. It's, it's not fair to call it weak. It's more like this is a, way of of having this you know mm. there we go and there's more of these two so we can have a little bit more of them if i didn't think about how much i was pouring with the first one i poured all of it yep so there we go first mm. coffee of the day um yeah that's definitely coffee that tastes like coffee yeah definitely tastes know. like coffee 
But I think maybe that's why I like the other one so much. Is it really, there's like no bitterness in the one we tried before. It's very smooth. It's that coffee profile, but there is none of that bitterness in it, which means probably it's not extracting nearly as much ca caffeine. So if you drink coffee to like wake up in the morning, maybe it's not that good for you. But flavor-wise, it was well, great. So I don't think it's necessarily about the amount of extraction of caffeine. I think it's about the ratio. I'm not sure that I got the ratio in one of the brew methods right. In some of the other ones, I got it more correct. Yeah, you, you could throw it that way. It's the concentration of caffeine. Because yeah. caffeine is one of the things that's, well, I should say just caffeine itself is very bitter. It's one of the reasons why soda, when they put caffeine in it, it's always so sweet. Yeah. Exactly. Because if you don't, it. it's, yeah, yeah. You got to fight off that bitterness. Yeah. And then, and then you add carbonation on top of it, which adds like a bittering effect also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. It, it, you have to, you have to really pump up the sugary profile of your sodas and stuff like that. So, uh, I'm interested to see which one you think is which and, uh, to tell me, um, which one you like the best mm -hmm. i think i know which one you like the best though all right so i tried the the second one now i gotta switch to the third one yep doing the coffee cup shake they've been sitting out here long enough i mean that's what happened to the first one it cooled off fairly mm -hmm. rapidly i want to say i think the um the small cup is a french press and the big cup is standard coffee okay and what what do you think the first one was? You think that was the tea bag? I think that was the tea. Yeah, man, you nailed it all the way around. Um, it's the the small cups, the French press. So now, which is your favorite? Definitely the tea. The tea? that was really because it was so unexpected. I mean, the French press is is a good coffee. Like I can see why people like a French press. It takes out some of that astringency. It's not quite as bitter. It's a nice like. If you like to drink your coffee black, you don't like to put stuff in it, which I normally do. I have just like a regular coffee maker at home. I put in like some sort of creamer or something like that, mm -hmm. you know. So like get that um french press might be something that i don't have to do that as much or maybe at all depending on the type of coffee but that tea method was awesome yeah and that was just an experiment i didn't know that that would work at all yeah it, that surprised me because uh, you know i do a lot of like cold brew teas and yep. stuff like that in my house i might try like cold brew coffee but like in those ratios that you were using to try and get closer to like a tea experience i'm serious i could drink that all day yeah I, well, so I think with the tea, I'm going to try to dial that in. There was, there was, it lost some of its nuttiness flavor. It wasn't quite as like, so I would want it to have a little bit more of a nutty flavor mm -hmm. and a little bit less of a, um, uh, a, like that kind of watery flavor that you were saying. Yeah, so, I'll give you that. I think, you know, because coffee has multiple levels of flavor to it. Right. Um, with the tea, when you're really only getting the primary, you could maybe, if it was like a straw, like, you know, when we did that um, tea tour, or not the tea tour, the coffee tour thing, yep. where they showed yep. you the ones that were made with like the flesh still on the bean and stuff, yep. and yep. those were like fruity, you could probably pick up a little bit of that. But you're right, it is much milder for these coffees that they put like a lot of roast on to get like a really deep, like secondary, you know, tertiary, you know, kind of flavor profile. Probably not picking that up as much in the tea method. Yeah, you definitely aren't picking it up as much. And, I, and even though I don't love the acidic bitterness of coffee oftentimes mm -hmm. the reason that i do love co coffee is for that nutty taste gotcha and so um and that's also why i normally have my coffee with a little bit of cream in it because i feel like that cream brings out the nuttiness of yeah. the of the coffee now overall what do you think of the honduran fair trade coffee it's pretty good coffee yeah. i mean i'm not a big like coffee drinker i don't even drink coffee every week so it's hard for me to be an objective on a like, hey, this is I like this better than this Ecuadorian coffee I had or like something fancy like that. All right. But it is a good coffee. So here's what we're going to do next time. We are, I'm going to get 
three of my favorite coffees. Mm-hmm. I have three that I just I love. I'm gonna get all three of them. I am going to make um, a. I'm gonna make a um, pot of coffee for mm-hmm. all three. And I am going to make a, and I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to have to think about how I do it. But I'm going to make a pot of coffee for all three. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to make a, a cold brew of all three. Okay. And I'm going to like let you sit down and blind taste test all of them and tell me the differences between them. Oh, okay. Because I am 100% sure that if I can tell the difference between the three of them, you will be able to tell the difference between the three of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I will probably in the moment be able to tell the difference. I think my comment was more at, if you asked me to remember what any other coffee I've tasted like tasted in that moment, I'd be like, yeah, it tastes like coffee. Yeah. Well, so here, here's the thing though. Um, I like these three have specific sense memories for me because mm-hmm. they taste so different. Oh yeah. And they're okay. so good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You, that, that, that should be really good. And one thing I can say is it has a little bit of a whiskey flavor to it for oh, one of them. Okay. <laughs> so something for you to kind of look forward to. Um, but let's talk about the, uh, costs for the pros mm-hmm. and these, um, and I forget the box is right there behind you. I believe it's another cost box right there. Yep. Uh, but that's the name of the, the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I'll go get it. I went, oh, well, I shouldn't. Headset on. <laughs> um, I was about to get real loud in here. Yeah. So I'll look up the name of it real quick because I know I know where I ordered it from, and I can I can set it down. But we we compared three uh, three headphones. Uh, one is uh, Sennheiser's HD um, uh, nine eight nine or nine 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 eight. Sorry. Uh, and then these costs, and then um, the other costs. So the ones the Porta Pro, and they're the Porta Pro special edition uh which i mean is not really a difference in price it's like five dollars or six dollars difference in price i think um on on amazon but um yeah i i just i i had heard about them and i saw that they were on sale so i got like you know ten dollars off or something mm-hmm. uh so it's the cost kph 30 ik um they are the uh gray banded uh headphones with the mm-hmm. silicon band over the top so let's start with those. What did you think of the of these? The those? I mean, they weren't bad for like a budget headset. But I'll mm-hmm. say they sounded like what I expected a budget headset to sound like. It, and that's like not a dig at them. It's just that you expect a certain amount of performance at the low end. They met that expectation, mm-hmm. but they didn't you know, exceed it really. Yeah. So just to say how much I spent on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that they're often on sale. They were 25 bucks. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, it has about the audio performance of, like, a pair of headsets I might buy, like, at the airport if my headphones die. Yep. Or, like, you know, my kid um, travels back and forth to my grandparents a lot. There are a pair of headsets like that that's cheap. If she breaks it, it doesn't matter. But she can, like, those in her iPad instead of having to listen to her movie out loud. So my yep. grandparents hear Frozen for the 30th time, you know. <laughs> so one thing that I think about those is that they definitely have a very... D- d- um, muted like sound profile. Yeah, it's, like, it's 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 not like it's flat. It's like all of the all it's a little the, diminished. Yeah, all, all yeah. of the uh, mid bass is kind of up, but then that causes everything to muffle. Yeah, like it doesn't have like bad quality problems. Like it's not tinny or anything like that. Right. Really, it's just it's a little a little dull. Okay, and I think the way the headsets are just being completely open like that does not help that fact yeah if that was like closed ear headphones that'd probably be a little bit more tolerable but you know that also makes them more expensive so like for 25 bucks especially you can sometimes get it on sale again you know that is that's fitting in my convenience level yeah. of headset and not a headset i would have for like serious use so now let's talk about the porta pros 
Okay, so the Porter Pros. Those are some good headphones. <laughs> now, I've been spoiled a bit because I, I saw them on the list. I was like, what are these? I wanted to look up what they were. So I know about how much they cost. So I won't get to that part yet. Yep. But audio quality, fantastic. Yep. Voices are good. Bass is great. Treble is mild, but that works really well with the rest of the sound profile. Yep. Awesome. The only thing I wish is that they were closed ear yep. because they're kind of like open ear headphones. I don't like those quite as much. But, what do you mean, I mean on ear? Uh, I mean, they're also open, but do, do you do you want them to be like these, which are um, so the ones that you have, those statuses for, for listening to mm-hmm. us talk, those are closed back and over ear. Yeah, so that's kind of what I want. I okay. want over ear, I want closed back, just because like that gives you, I don't know, it's just so much immersion into the music that I like. Yeah. That, uh, especially because like I listen to weird music and my wife will make fun of me. She has several times I'm listening to it too loud that she can hear it even on my closed one. She's like, what are you listening to? What is that? Um, so, you know, I really, even just at a sound quality level, can't say too much about them. I have listened to better headphones, not in this configuration where they're the open back just on ear. I mean, those are, those are phenomenal. Yeah. And then I'll let you talk about the price because that's also phenomenal. Yeah, so they're um, I think on Amazon right now uh, on sale um, for a bit off, and then they're um, normally somewhere in the range of about sixty bucks. Uh, you know, somewhere between uh, sixty and seventy dollars. Oh, well, no, I'm sorry, they're not. Oh yeah, yeah, they are. They're normally around sixty dollars mm-hmm. um, for the these particular ones. These are the um, black and gold Toss Pro limited editions, um, and they come with this little case that's pretty awesome. But they're like. 10 percent off right now you can get it for like 55 bucks yeah and i saw the non-limited edition ones available for like 30 40 40 bucks yeah wild at price point for that quality i mean again in in terms of configuration i have never listened to a headphone in this configuration that was this good yeah like just period Especially for the $30, $40 price range. And if you want the fancier ones, the $60 Oh, price yeah. Range. I mean, just even ignoring the price, I've never listened to like an uh, on-ear open back that sounded that good. I've come close. I think you had me listen to one of your pair of Sennheisers that was like that. That might have been closed back just on-ear. I don't it was a, Yeah, it was closed back on-ear. And the the um, I don't think that they're really comparable because the Sennheisers are like... Uh, $160, $200 pair of headphones, and they have mm-hmm. like certain functionality that this set of headphones just doesn't have. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's hard to compare when you start putting in like features and digital stuff like that. But yeah. I gotta say, just for a pair of headphones, I'm going to buy one of these. Well, now that I know they exist. So what I meant, what I meant was like it's got a removable cable. It's got like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, other things like that. Um, the the momentum E ones is what they are. So they mm-hmm. they were just a much and, and they're the on ear travel travel version of the momentums. They don't even make them. Anymore. Yeah. So you you you're not gonna get a the same experience for these uh, that you would for the momentums, but. Mm-hmm. You can't really beat it for the price. <laughs> you really can't. One, they're just a good headphone, period. And there are situations where even I would use something like this. Because I don't want to go out with my noise-canceling, you know, closed everything. If I'm going for a walk in the woods or yeah. I'm walking the dogs, because I want to hear a car if it honks, you know. <laughs> I don't want all that to be drowned out. So, like, they're definitely going to get used in my house. My wife has been asking for a pair of headphones for when she wants to take the dogs on a walk or something like that. Yep. And these are just they're perfect for that in the sense that they're good for just traveling with because they're so small and so compact sound quality you just you can't beat it no you at least can't. nowhere even close to this price point yeah it, and it's, it's about quality for price point yep. really um so but to be you know completely transparent we compared them to those 
um, you know, HD uh, 598. Mm-hmm. I said 998s at the beginning, but 598s. People are like looking for 998s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not what I had there. Um, the HD 598s, um, which are also a closed back headphone. Yep. Um, what did you think about the sound quality compared between the two? And maybe the, like, I mean, you're not going to get the same feature set without modding yeah, yeah, yeah. these, you know? So, you know, obviously I like the closed back. Yeah. I like the, the over ear. Or the, whatever they're called, completely encompassing the ear. Yeah, the the um, over ear. Um, so over ear versus on ear. Gotcha. Close yeah. back versus. So I like back. the over ear, but you know, I gotta be honest. When I got done listening to that, the that one, I just kind of want to switch back to the other one. I want to okay. switch back to the cost. The cost. You know, I don't know what that price point is for there. There weren't bad headphones. I'm not saying they were bad, but they weren't as good as the cost. They they do require a little bit more power to drive and make mm-hmm. them sound fantastic. Uh, and of course, they're not the um, you know the five XXs that I have over here that are you know just phenomenal headphones for the like two hundred fifty three hundred dollar price point. Mm-hmm. But the um, I think they're like a hundred and fifty a hundred and hundred and twenty. So they're yeah. about double the price of this. And they're not my they're not my favorite ones. I prefer the uh, five six eights that mm-hmm. I have. Um, they're really good um you know headphones they're open back though uh, but i i like those because they're they're just very 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 well balanced headphones and i think the, one of the difference between the two you know being intimately familiar with the two is that the um pauses have a bit more of a like v-shaped curve on them where like the way that the they just naturally sound mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a, a tiny bit more uh, where the Sennheisers are more flat. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, I can definitely see that. There, yeah, there's definitely, you can tell some, like, audio tuning. They did, like, on the engineering level. Certain ranges are more powerful than others. And that's kind of where I was getting at, that the, the treble is very mild. Yeah. But they are, are very, they're very, like, in your face with the bass, but not in, like, a bad way. Like, it's not overpowering. Like a lot of like bass boosted headsets can be, where they yeah, like go in yeah. and software boost the bass and stuff. Man, yeah, I'm very impressed with them. Let's talk about running a media server. I don't think that Ricky, you ever dipped your toes into that, like you had said that you were thinking about doing last year. Yeah, I'm still thinking about it. In fact, uh, you know, every year I pick a topic as kind of like a new resolution to learn about a lot about one that's technology wise and one that's not tech wise. Um, I'm thinking, and this is cheating a little bit, but I'm thinking my non tech one is going to be like media server servers at home. So I'm doing okay. that more at like an entertainment level, not like a professional. I'm learning this for my career stuff. So I can't, I am kind of double dipping in tech, but for two different reasons. So we'll see, maybe I will have something next time, but I am interested in listening to see about this. Cause I did glance through like different, like software applications on the list and stuff like that. Yeah. So the, I mean, really right now there's a lot of different media servers that you can use. Um, and there's a lot of different things that you can do to enhance those media servers. Plex is the one that I've traditionally used, mm-hmm. but I've also dipped my toes into MB and Jellyfin. Now I have a lifetime subscription to Plex Pass, and I got it when it was like seventy bucks. Mm-hmm. So I think that the Plex for me is more about I get all these extra features, and I continue to get them for having mm-hmm. that lifetime subscription because I paid for it versus paying the monthly fee. Yeah. However, having the subscription gives you all sorts of like really great stuff. And this is not an affiliated thing. I'm not, we're not sponsored by any of these places. Uh, no Jellyfin, no Plex, no Envy. Um, but 
The thing about Plex is it is a fairly rounded piece of software. It's easy to, to deploy whether you're doing it via Docker or you're installing it on an Ubuntu machine or a Windows machine, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it has some feature add on top of that if you've got FlexPass. Now, MB has a similar thing. They're made off of kind of like a similar code to Kodi, which we're not talking about here um, because that's more of like a standalone media uh, server so it sets like at your tv set versus being hosted someplace else like in the cloud or on a computer that you have uh, all of these are one-to-one -one like that they're hosted on a computer and then you have a client that you use to be able to receive the media off of the server that you can then ingest if you want to so i didn't hate mb but i already had the plex pass and the features of mb are pretty they're pretty uh, on par with Plex for the most part. It's a little bit behind in some areas, but it's just not my it's not my preferred thing. So there's mm -hmm. some people that just live and die and breathe by that media server. Okay. Um, and then there's Jellyfin, and this is the one that I've been really experimenting with this year. So uh, really, this is more this talk is more about Plex and Jellyfin, but it's important to know that MB does exist mm -hmm. uh, in this talk because um, MB is a uh, is an alternative, and it does allow for some uh, advantages over like other uh, streaming uh, servers like that. Um, I. I or, or, you know, Plex or Jellyfin is really what I'm referring to. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, ultimately, uh, the point is, Jellyfin is very do-it-yourself. If you were making a completely free uh, software, you know, free as in, in free speech, free as in mm -hmm. you know, things like that, but also free as in like beer because you don't have to pay anything for it. But you do have to pay by putting your time into it because you have to figure out what plugins you're going to put into it. You have to figure out how you're going to like advance the um, your, your media library, how you're going to like, pull in certain things. Um, I, had a, I had a thing where, because um, I'm using one media library between the two different um uh, things uh, the the two different servers you know Plex and Jellyfin where my Plex library was doing just fine and Jellyfin um, started creating metadata files like these little XML metadata files mm -hmm. on on it and so it was it had misidentified some stuff they were coming up as like adult content or things like that my like you know home server files so like when my wife went up and was mm -hmm. like what is this movie you know so that that is one sort of like risk of running both those things um but so to that point though jellyfin does a really good job of creating like a cross-platform thing where it can identify information and then put it out there on the uh, server side so that like if you move to a cody box or if you move to mb it could just take and pull in that information much faster instead of having to go out and reach out to something else to to identify like a hash or something mm -hmm. like that but if jellyfin gets it wrong it can really screw everything up because a lot of things like plex and stuff like that if you set them to look at local media they will oh yeah they'll look at the local media mm -hmm. uh, but then they'll you know cause all sorts of problems now there's ways that you can get over that uh, there's a software called subler that you can use i think it's free uh, or it's just a few bucks, but it's a it's a, a Mac app, and you can use it to insert things like artist information and stuff like that into the MP4 uh, okay. and MP5 files, right? So you can overcome some of those things. Um, but I I think ultimately what it comes down to between Plex and Jellyfin or or MB, you know, if mm -hmm. you're more into MB, if if like you're like oh, I like MB better than I do Plex because of this philosophy or something like that. Or Plex has gotten too big and too corporate. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. So 
the difference between the two is that one is very do-it-yourself. The other is kind of like a nice software experience uh, that's already like kind of pre-built. And okay. you, I mean, you still get the same sort of things like uh, Jellyfin has an ecosystem with something called FinApp um, where you can set up your, um, your Jellyfin instance to also be a music server. Okay. Um, Plex has that with uh, PlexAmp, which is mm. pretty awesome. Um, and then MB... I think has a similar thing. I'm not sure about that, but I, I, that's the one thing I don't know about MB and I'm probably going to try to learn a little bit more about this year is what advancements on ancillary things has MB made in the past, like two years that I haven't learned up on. Cause I haven't yeah. like installed an MB thing. So ask your questions. I've given you kind of a rundown. What do you, th what do you think about the three different options and what are you kind of thinking that you're going to try first? It's a lot to take in, just like hearing. So, like, I feel you guys, people listening to the podcast. <laughs> but uh, I think we'll probably play around with all three because they do at least sound like similar but different enough that, like, I think that a lot will fall down to personal, like, you know, preferences on them. I am wondering, so like, erase your mind. You have you have never touched Plex before. You don't have the lifetime pass of Plex, and you are walking in. You've just listened to our podcast. Where do you think you would start? I'd start with Jellyfin, and not because of the. Um, I I am a tinkerer at heart, mm -hmm. and I like to do these like hard things. Okay. I like to get the the stuff that's going to be a little bit difficult, and then I probably would try Plex and I would just do a bunch of research between the two. I do like the way that Plex's interface looks a little bit better than MB's. Mm -hmm. Like I think that that's a little bit more beautiful. Um, so I probably would be more tended to go towards Plex. Now, if I turn that around. And I said, I just wanted to build a server and I didn't mm -hmm. want to have to tinker with port forwarding or anything like that. I'd go Plex. That just okay. simple. It, it does it for you. It does all that stuff. It's just kind of plug and play. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you picked, you kind of touched on maybe a very important like point and divide there of people that might be listening. If you're a techie and you're here for the technology stuff and you love to get your hands dirty, maybe you build everything out with Jellyfin, get it to like as good as you can get it. And go try the other two, see if they're better. Yeah. You know, because if you've built something you like better by doing it yourself, then the other one's no reason to switch to them. But if you're maybe not a techie, maybe you're just here for the beer and the video game geek talk and stuff like that, the prepackaged solutions kind of work a little bit better for you, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to, especially if you get like a 13th gen or 11th gen or 12th gen Intel processor, mm -hmm. you really don't have to worry too much about like transcoding and doing like crazy stuff with it because they'll handle most of those things really well. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I mean, ultimately, I think the, um, the the pick of which one you would do is down to just whether or not you want to do all the hard work mm -hmm. to make it reach outside your home or make it have some sort of uh, interconnectivity so that other people can get access to it. Or if you want to have um, some sort of philosophical you know, difference with the software, like yeah, Plex. I gotcha. or gotcha. Um, uh, I mean, because Plex is technically not open source anymore. It used to be based off mm -hmm. of open source code, and I think it's gone closed source since then. So some people wouldn't really love that. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Let's talk about last-minute Christmas gifts real quick. Um, I I think the my number one would be these Cost Porta Pros. If you're mm -hmm. into headphones, that would just be a no-brainer. Thirty, forty bucks. Why not get a? Why not get one? Yeah. Um, if you've got kids, though, I think the costs, um, the other ones, the K1, I just, I messed that all up because I couldn't remember the name of the, uh, of the costs, but they're there. They're here in my thing, the KPH30IK. Um, 
I think if I had kids, those would be the ones that I'd get them because uh, they're just like 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not going to care so much about anything like that. You know, um, well, what about you? Do you have like a geeky thing that you think would be a great last minute? I, I can't think per thing, but let me tell you, as someone who has also recently thrusted into this situation where I was going to buy all of my friends gifts for when I was traveling for Christmas and now that I'm not traveling for Christmas, I had to go find a bunch of gifts real quick. <laughs> um, my two favorite places to get gifts for people, especially if they're kind of on the nerdy side, are Bespoke Post. Because they, they do those little subscription boxes. I know we've talked about those in the podcast before. They also just have a regular store that has a lot of like small batch or kind of odd things. It's so easy to just go find some cool, interesting stuff there. Um, and also, I love to hit up Etsy, like some of the smaller creators. Because like last year, I got you guys that uh, Painted Dragon. Yeah. yeah. And like that guy had like less than 100 sales. Like that's a dude who like 3D prints stuff for himself. And when he gets something really cool, he'll make like an extra to pay for like the resin for the stuff he made for himself. Like you can find all sorts of really cool little things like that, especially the small stores because generally it's already pre-made and they're not getting a lot of orders. Like I think I found that dragon Christmas Eve. Oh, really? And I ordered it and got here in like two or three days. So we did our uh, gift exchange like a couple days after Christmas. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was like the last thing I bought and it showed up in time. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. There's like cool stuff uh, on there. Like not that the big shops aren't cool. But I found on Etsy, especially for Christmas gifts and little knickknacks like that, a lot of the big stores are just buying stuff that's getting mass produced somewhere else and they're yeah. reselling it. Right. Whereas like a lot of small stores are like, actually, this is this thing I made. Isn't it cool? Yeah. I never made another one, but I want to sell this one. Right. Exactly. I think Etsy's a great place. One thing that I have a problem with with Etsy is there's a lot of things where it'll say it ships from the United States and they're actually like in other countries like Russia or yeah. uh, China or something like that. You do got to be careful about that. So you got to be careful of... about that. But otherwise, it's pretty great. And I've gotten bit by that like three times mm-hmm. um, where I've gotten stuff like, uh, you know, the, the book nooks that Venus and I put together mm-hmm. uh, last year. Both of them said that they were from the U.S., but they shipped from Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things like that. So you do got to be careful on that end. Uh, one thing I do to try and catch stuff like that is um, I'll take some of the wording and I'll search just very specific that wording. And then you can find, oh, there's 500 other shops selling this yeah. thing that, granted, like when you typed in your search thing, because they're all like seo differently. Um, you know, I, this is the only one I saw on five pages. This is yeah. unique. But then you, you get through the weeds and you find out, oh, actually, there's a whole bunch of people selling it. They're just not on the successful stores or, you right. know. You didn't have this keyword or something like that. Yeah, uh, and I I think uh, I, that might have come across wrong, what I just said about like it being from Russia. I don't have, I do not care if someone ships me something from Russia uh, or the Ukraine or, you know, wherever. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that wasn't my point. It, I wanted to get something that was within the continental U.S. because I wanted it to be shipped quickly. Yeah. Not take like three months to get here. Yeah, And sometimes absolutely. those things take a long time to get here. Yeah. Oh, also, one other idea for Geek Kiss, because my wife posted this online and it got a decent amount of traction for where she posted it. Um, if you have a geek in your life that's really into, like, maybe anime or something like that that's a bit more obscure that you can't really find anything for in the U.S. because you have to have, like, distributors and stuff for that. My wife plays uh, Atome games, which are, like, these little visual novels. Yeah. I found one of the pulls from one of them that's one of her favorite games. It had plushies in Japan. But oh, did not have them anywhere else. Yeah, and I was able to find an eBay seller who, who let's be fair, was upcharging like fifty percent. Yeah, but was not charging me anything for the Japanese shipping. So yeah, I ordered uh, you know two plushies that are probably really worth twenty dollars each, but I paid like thirty five bucks each. Yeah, but 
know, I got him in like four days with a nice little note and like all yep. this good stuff. And she loves them. Cause again, you can't get them anywhere outside Japan. That is one thing I'll say like it, eBay and especially Japanese sellers, mm-hmm. eBay plus Japanese sellers are just awesome. Yeah. It had like little notes in it. It was so nice. They, they send all sorts of awesome things like little, I got, I have a, um, a, a paper crane that mm-hmm. one of them sent me and I just, I'm like, this is so awesome. And I just keep it beside my, um, uh, uh, I have like a, uh, a uh, music setup in my bedroom mm-hmm. and I just keep it sitting beside that because I think it's like really cool. Yeah, and every yeah. morning when I get up, I kind of look at it. It's like a Zen thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I bought a iPod, I think from, or no, it was, um, it, no, it was an iPod. Yeah. I bought an iPod and a CD player and I got like two things like that in, in them. And they were both from Japan. Yeah. So it was pretty awesome. Uh, one thing, speaking of Japan, uh, you can, if you've got like geeky people that love like headphones and stuff like that, that's another thing you can do. If you've got a little bit of time or you can get it rush shipped, um, you can get like some really good quality audio gear, like 30, 40 bucks. Uh, okay. you know, if you, if you just look right, so you can get some Sennheisers or some costs or some, um, uh, uh you know, uh, bear dynamics or something like that. Sometimes they're a hundred bucks. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're 30 bucks. It just kind of depends on what you want. Um, one thing that we got this year was uh, like a Lego uh, advent calendar. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, so I don't know if that's really like a good last minute gift. Yeah. Um, it's good for next year. Yeah. Uh, uh, Switch controllers, like the uh, non-Nintendo, uh, like if you've got a, like a person who loves the Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch and they like to play it on the big t- big screen mm-hmm. or they like to have like Smash Brothers tournaments or something like that, that's another good one. Okay. Like yeah, get, yeah, I can definitely see that. Getting off-brand Switch controllers that are uh, like legit, have USB-C, all that stuff to like mm-hmm. power them. Um, those are pretty good. I've gotten a couple uh, this year for someone in my life who I'm, you know, buying stuff for. Mm-hmm. Uh, not you, <laughs> but for someone in my life, one of, one of the... The people that, you know, lives in this house, uh, you know, I got them some stuff and that was one of the things I got for them. And, um, that, that switch controller was like 20 bucks or 15 bucks. And it has all the functionalities of the switch. Like it does the wake, it does everything of the pro controller. And I was like, Oh, this is a great deal. And it's a, I mean, it feels pretty good. I don't know how long it'll last or whatever, but for 25 bucks, I'd be willing to risk it. You know, so not a, not a bad thing. Um, and then, uh, Little dongles, like uh, everybody, nobody has headphone jacks on their mm-hmm. headphones anymore. So Apple makes some like less than $10 dongles that you can just pick up about anywhere. Go to Kmart or Kmart. Is Kmart even still around? Why did I say Kmart? I, I think there Walmart. actually is like one or two left. Oh, well. I was reading about that not too long ago. But you can go to Target, Walmart, mm-hmm. you know, just about anywhere. Go through their electronics section and just like, oh, I know my kid has a um, uh, an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so I buy the lightning version or, you know, get the USB-C one, but they're pretty good little dongle DACs. They've got like a little digital analog converter. So if you're going to use wired headphones like the Cost Porta Pros, that's a good like yep. additional thing um, to, to grab up. So I don't have any other like anything. So um, you have any other thoughts or anything that you want to? No, I don't think so. It was a good episode. Okay. I'm very awesome. honest. Well, this has been Season 5, Episode 19 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It's our Christmas episode, so happy holidays. If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, then I hope that you're having a great break or holiday or whatever seasonal thing that you celebrate. I hope it's great, and we'll catch you next time.